Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The Speed Series episodes are straight to the point, no BS answers to listener-submitted questions. If you have a question and want it answered, submit your question using the link in the description. Thanks for listening, and good luck this season. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Latitude Speed Series Q&A. Today on the line, I have Austin O'Garrick from Ohio. Austin, thanks for hopping on the phone, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I know that uh, you're a guy that hunts a mixture of public and private, and from the looks of the wall behind you, you're very successful at doing that. So I'm really excited to get into this question and kind of pick your brain and see how we defer and see how we are on the same page as well. I think it's going to be really exciting. All right. So the question today is from DL Hill 425 on Instagram. And it is, do you notice different mature bucks using the same general beds, bedding locations year after year? For instance, if one gets killed or dies, will another mature buck move into that area and begin to use the same bed slash bedding area? So Austin, I'll let you start first if you'd like man what are your thoughts on that question it would be yes and no so the reason i'm saying yes and no i think it really depends on a deer's home range so the best example i have for like a private land series of it would be i shot a buck two years ago on a piece of private that i had he was using the same bedding point the following year my fiance killed a buck that was using the same bedding point but those bucks had the same home range but didn't live on the same property if that makes sense I mean, I've kind of noticed that a little bit with public too. Public is kind of like once those deer kind of get mature and they start bumping those other deer out, the younger deer either find new areas or if they're still within the home range, they'll come back to that same general area once that deer has died or not. But is that always the case? No. And then with EHD kind of going into it, I mean, we've seen deer that never had pictures of it will completely move into a whole new area once that, that herd has been kind of disturbed. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. And I, I do think it's a yes and no question. And it's not going to be 100% either way. Uh, what I would say generally overall for me is very similar to what you said. And this is going off of, I could even go back as far as some of the private ground days that I had when I was in New York growing up as a kid where we would have 
thickets. You know, I didn't know the specific beds back then, but I knew of bedding areas. And year after year, we could just rely on there being good bucks in those bedding areas and coming out to our ag fields that we were hunting. You know, we had a lot of ladder stands on fields back in the day. And so I've seen that from a private land standpoint, from a public land standpoint. What I would say is I have had a ton of success targeting bedding areas or thickets that have held good bucks in the past. And I don't always think it's the same bed. I think each deer is going to be an individual and he's going to have his own tendencies. And one of those tendencies is specific beds. Each one of them is looking for something a little bit different. One buck might love bedding on the backside of a log or in front of a log. One buck might want a little bit of cover over top. One buck might prefer a sight advantage. One might prefer a little bit different of a wind advantage. And so I would say that in general, I find bedding areas that hold mature bucks to hold mature bucks pretty much year after year, as long as the food sources are hot in that area. And I think that that's even more of a factor than anything else. If you ask me is like the specific food sources being hot. So I can think of an example, a place I hunt that has just a killer white oak flat in there. So I hunted that spot or I ran cameras in that spot for two years with that white oak flat was on fire. And those two years, it held a good buck. And the last two years, the white oaks weren't any good in there. And it didn't hold a good buck in that specific bedding area. But I've already been in there this year and I found white oak acorns on the ground from a rainstorm and a windstorm. And I know of a good deer in that area already. And so it's just really funny how that works. And actually, I've seen feeding on those acorns that are on the ground. They're not ripe, but I actually posted a story where they were hammering those acorns. And I think it's just because they haven't had them. They haven't had them in a couple years. And they're like, oh, this is a, I love acorns. You know, it's like if you don't get ice cream for four years, five years, you're going to be like, I want, I really want ice cream now. But yeah, so I would say that I definitely see that. The other side of that question is the EHD thing. And let's dive into that a little bit more. So You hunt a lot of areas that are very similar to the places that I'm hunting as far as geographical location. Obviously, there's certain areas that the herd got decimated pretty well. I don't know the exact percentages, but let's say somewhere between 50 and 80% of the deer died in some of those areas. I've, I've seen something very similar to that as well. So have you seen any sort of shift with mature bucks coming back into those areas yet and inhabiting those? And it could be last year the year that we had ehd like towards the end of the year or from your scouting this year the the one thing i have noticed when it came to at least with the scouting and seeing from trail cameras is when ehd first hit early on there was not a lot of deer in these areas even when the mature bucks were removed and they didn't move in for a long time and i'm sure you experienced it where you want to find sign for deer for miles at a time and it wouldn't make sense uh, but then we would notice when november came in and bucks started traveling a little bit more. We had uh, on one of our private pieces, so like 140 inch nine point just show up out of nowhere. Never had pictures of them, never even knew of the deer being around. And we have cameras on this piece of private is kind of surrounded by public. So we have cameras kind of all around it, and we've never had pictures of this deer. So I have seen deer completely shift and come back into these areas. And I, I'm assuming that's more of the competition-based things that are going on. The thing I've noticed is, like you said, it falls the food source. The food source is a big thing, no matter what, when it comes to bedding. I would get times where the red oaks would be dropping, and I would get like a mature buck that shows up with a bunch of other deer, and I would have sits where I'd see 20, 30 deer a night. Once those oaks sat there and dried up, they would pretty much disappear. They'd completely shift, and it wouldn't be just a small shift. It wouldn't be like, oh, they're going to this next hillside and hitting another red oak flat. It's like complete 
terrain, like a couple mile difference. So it, it was, it was kind of impressive because it would make it really hard to find deer. So in that aspect, I can't say that I've seen the same thing completely on all my public spots, but that's one of the other things I've noticed that a lot of deer are just shifting to food that maybe still correlates with the bedding, but I'm not having deer staying in the same bedding points, if that makes sense. I agree with that. It's, it's so situational. Like a bedding area is going to be preferred by a mature deer for a reason, whatever that reason may be. It's going to give them certain advantages. And we tend to overthink buck bedding and we think that it's this extremely complex thing and that you have to have all of these factors that stack in perfectly for a mature buck to bed there. When in reality, I think what happens is like they have the food source they want and they just find the best piece of cover that sets up for some of the factors they need. But it doesn't always have to be perfect. There are places where it is almost perfect and it's very hard to hard to target that deer. But in general, I don't think that it's like this. I really don't think it's rocket science. And I think sometimes we make betting out to be rocket science. And, you know, I look at what I can find down here in Ohio, for example, and I've replicated this in Kentucky. I've replicated it in Indiana, southern Illinois. Uh, New York, Pennsylvania, all over the country, what I've noticed is it's very easy for me to pick out spots on the map and go in and put boots on the ground and find good bedding. Like it's not hard to go find good bedding, but I think the difficult thing is to find when that good bedding is actually being used by a mature deer. And most of them, it all, it all comes back to food. It really does. You're going to have good bedding near an ag field when that ag field is producing the food that they want. You're going to have good bedding in the general location of a white oak flat when, I, when a white oak flat's hot. And I, I just think that we, we overthink it a lot of times. What I would say is I think it's more about repetition and numbers. Like it's about finding, for me, it's about finding numbers of bedding areas. I wouldn't say, I don't think it's unrealistic to say that I know of, uh, it's up into the thousands of beds in Ohio. It has to be in the thousands. And each one of those has a food source nearby. Like I'm there because it's got a food source and that's the only reason I'm in that area to begin with. And so for me, man, if, if that food source is hot and I go in there, I just feel like I find good mature deer. And by mature deer, I'm saying like a four-year-old plus buck. Like most of them are just going to have that if you don't have these external factors like EHD coming through and wiping out the area. So I think that we overthink it. I think that the biggest thing is just if you have the option, I would just try to find numbers of bedding areas and numbers of food sources. And I think that that's going to get you that's going to put you in the game a lot more often because if you're banking on one bedding area being good, well, yeah, it's good this year. Like you killed a mature buck bedded on this bedding area. He came off his bed to a white oak flat two years ago when the oaks were hot. That is great information and it's awesome you killed that deer. But if the white oak flat's not hot the next year, I'm not saying always, but there's a good chance that deer, is, there's just not going to be a mature buck there because it, there's no reason for him to be there. So that's kind of my thought process with the whole thing. I think I think people get really excited and fixated on when they find beds, especially when they're just starting out. They find a bed and it sets up like we talk about in a podcast. They're really excited about it. And then they go hunt it all year and they're like, well, Jake doesn't know what he's talking about because I didn't see a single deer come out of that bedding area. And it's like, well, the bedding area is good, but it has to be the right food source and the right time of year and all these other factors. Like it's, I don't know if I have a single bedding area that I can think of that's always good, that's always inhabiting mature buck. I don't, it, for me, I don't think it exists in anything that I've scouted or hunted or I haven't put those pieces together yet where like, through, you know, early October they could be there, but late October they might not be. And if they are, then they're probably gone for the rut. 
And the next year they might not be there. I don't think I've ever found one that I can just rely on any day I go in there a mature buck being in there. So maybe that was part of this question too. I just don't see that. What do you think? No, I don't see that very typically either. And that's kind of what I was going into is what you're just saying when it came to like early season, there might be one there, but then he's gone during rut or vice versa. I see that the, the best kind of thing I can think of is especially late season on public. A lot of the time those deer are not typically, I would say not typically in the same general system or in the same, maybe not the same hub. It just depends. It all depends on the food and everything. But those deer will shift to such a smaller area. Like you said, you can't bank on that one bedding point because let's say that one bedding point or that one bedding area is set up for an early season white oak flat. And then you go and hunt it in December or February to expect to have a mature deer there and he's two miles over on a different system. The other thing, you kind of covered it a little bit. I haven't covered it much yet, but bedding areas shifting around due to competition and a hierarchy of deer. And I definitely see this a lot where I can think of, I talked about it on the podcast I had last week with Heath Cisco. Uh, I had a bully buck. I still have this bully buck that he just, he's very aggressive. Like by the end of the year, he doesn't have any points left on his main beams. They're all broken off to a couple inches. And my brother told me, it's like, man, it's like he just gets in a fight with a car or something. And it is, this deer is just, he's all gnarled up. He's scarred up from head to toe. And if there's a big buck in that area that is just more timid, he just pushes him out. And that's what he did to this buck in the corner here, this 172. He pushed that deer right out of that bedding area. That deer wanted nothing to do with that bully buck because he was like, man, it's, it's September. Why are you beating me up? Why are you pushing me around? Like, get out of here. And then the buck wouldn't leave, and he was like, fine, I'll leave. I'll just, I'll just get out of here. But the bully buck eventually vacated that because of a food source shift. That It's funny how this timeline set up. A couple weeks in advance, we had a food source shift. The bully buck left. Well, when he left, the white oak flat in that system got hot, and this deer came right back in on those white oaks before the bully buck did. So I killed this deer, and then like a week later, here comes bully buck. He's back in inhabiting that system. And I didn't see another good deer all year in there. And so I've been dealing with this deer. It's a spot that eventually I think will hold a good buck. I really do. It's, it's really full of green briar. It's thick. It's hard to access. It's overlooked. Everything about it is just what you want to find as a bow hunter. It's got multiple different food sources nearby that rotate and everything about it is perfect. But I haven't had another good deer in there because that bully buck will not leave. And last year, he almost pushed me to my limit with not being able to find a good buck to go after. I considered going after he was a half rack last year, considered going after bully buck. But, uh, but so my thought process there is when he finally either dies or moves on, whatever it is, or becomes weak and I get the food sources I need in that area again, I truly believe that I'm going to have a mature buck in there. I can, I, I can almost bank on the fact that I'm going to have one in there because I've seen that happen before. But the external factor there is that bully buck. So like, there's just so many factors that are going to play into if that bedding area is getting used or not if i wouldn't get too stuck on finding one and specifically targeting that over and over without knowing if there's a good deer there or not because you could be off for even multiple years like like me killing a 172 in an area and then there hasn't been a buck over 140 in there in two years because there's this big giant gnarly bully running around just spin off that from what you're saying, what you're experiencing, to kind of go to more of a specific example that I've noticed with us, 
if you're getting two deer that are almost the same age, whether a bully buck or not, if they're kind of growing up together and they use the same home range, if one kind of tends to bully the other, like we've had one that, I mean, he was an absolute giant and he would come on to the private from the public. And once this other deer started bullying him out, he completely shifted and moved probably three miles from there and lived on public. And he once they grew up together, they'd never had the same home range. But like you said, once one of those had probably gone, I guarantee there's a deer in there that's kind of younger coming up that will be mature enough to take one of those areas over after. It's a great conversation because there's so much dynamic here. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play devil's advocate with that. Because I've seen the exact same thing. But what I've also seen is I have areas where you have a hub with like five different betting points and each betting point inhabits a big mature buck. Like I've got systems in Ohio on public land where I've ran a camera before in all summer and into season, I've had five bucks over 150 in the same 50 acre hub system that all drop down and hit a scrape and go to a food source. And I'm like, what is happening here? But there just wasn't one that was so much more aggressive than the other ones that they just vacated. You know, they all had similar personalities to where they were aggressive enough to where they wanted to check up on each other and check that scrape, but they weren't aggressive to the point where they were pushing each other out of that system consistently. I guess I have a question now for that is at that point, did you see anything shift when, as season went on, as like pre-rut and rut hit, did you see them that they would start pushing each other out at that point? Because this kind of makes me think about like early season, late season, a lot of these deer tend to tolerate each other, but they're not betting right on top of each other. And I think that's a big kind of misconception. I think a lot of people think is like, I found this betting point and they find one bed and it's like, okay, but you could have, like you said, you have five different mature bucks in the same hub but they're all kind of probably i'm assuming all their beds are pretty spaced out from each other they all have their own little niche in that stuff it seems like early season late season they're more docile but they're not going to bed right next to each other like those are so i would say that in the summer months running you know in the last three years like 50 plus cameras a year i think i'm up around 70 this year total when i finally get them all out but so what i have seen is in the summer months when they're still in velvet, I do have a lot of the deer come off the same. At least it looks like they're coming off the same point. It almost looks like they're walking in a line, like when they're bachelored up. And so I, I can't tell you exactly what their bedding orientation looks like, but I would say that it's probably in a, in a semi-close proximity. You know, like some of these bedding areas are an acre, probably three or four mature bucks in an acre thicket would make sense to me that they'd be in there. As season progresses, they definitely spread out and do but you know, that hub system I was talking about, those points are a couple hundred yards apart a piece. And then when they dump down the bottom, they're a lot closer, but so they're a couple hundred yards apart, but I've never personally witnessed, at least in my initial thoughts, I've never personally witnessed two mature bucks betting, let's say sub 50 yards that I know of, like right on top of each other. I've never laid eyes on that happening or thought that that was happening i always think there's a little bit of a, you know they're spread out a little bit that's what i've kind of noticed too like i've had like on the private piece where i killed my eight point two years ago and my fiance killed her buck last year on those deer would use the same point but the eight point that i hunted sat there embedded up way up higher on the ridge and he would be on the upper third like you would expect and he would sit behind some trees and some green briars. typically that was just at least where i found most of the general buck bedding at once he moved out and my fiance's deer moved in, he bedded way lower on the ridge. So it's kind of one of those things like I, and I found this late season too, when all the deer are finally like piling up together and they're hitting one major food sources that you'll find a bed 
on one point, but then you'll find a bed up on another like military crest point, or you'll find them in the kind of the bowls of the corners. At least for buck bedding wise, that's at least what I have noticed over the years now. Um, obviously, does are going to be a little bit different because they just tend to bed together. And it's just they have to be right on top of each other. Yeah, I completely agree. So I, I think that's that's been a pretty good answer to this question. It was it's a yes and no sort of answer for sure. And I think that that's important. I would say that if I was explaining it to somebody, if I was just summarizing what we talked about, I would say that don't discount the fact that it'll get used twice, but don't count on the fact that it'll get used twice. And I know that that is like <laughs> probably the worst answer somebody could hear, but it really is. It's all over the map and it's going to be so situational. And I think that I think that if you take what we talked about and you approach it with that situational mindset and you stay open-minded, that one way or the other, you're going to be able to figure out if that bedding area is going to be utilized that year or not, that's going to put you a lot closer. You word it perfectly to where, it, it, like we said, it is a yes, no question. It's all situational. And we both experienced stuff that, like you said, we could play devil's advocate with one another all day long at this point with stuff that we have seen or we haven't seen or kind of like, oh, well, maybe this. So yeah, it is, it is a very much yes, no answer. It is very situational. I'm very appreciative of the fact that you were able to make it on. Where can people find out more about you? Pretty much Instagram. I do have a YouTube channel called Rigid Oak. Uh, my Instagram is Austin underscore Ogaric. That's kind of the basic information for me when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, sounds good. Well, hey, good luck this season, man. I know you're going to be out scouting a lot and running cameras and hopefully glassing as much as you can. And good luck this fall. Hopefully you have a big buck on the ground. Thanks, man. You too. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yep, of course. You know.